There we go. We're being live streamed. I'm going to sneeze. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Good afternoon, everybody. It is Angie Atkinson, and I'm here with the lovely and talented Lise Colucci. Lise, welcome back. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> Always my pleasure to have you here. Um, so today, while we're waiting for everyone to get in, I'll just remind you, first of all, that for those of you who don't know, Lise is one of my fellow coaches at queenbee.com, and she's amazing. You're going to love her if you don't know her already. Secondly, um, keep your eye on the chat. When our Mod Squad gets here, they will sh share uh, reminders and links and things you need to know about the chat today, as well as how to get back in touch with us and how to stay in touch with our weekly streams. And what else? Mm. What else? Um, well, let's just jump in. Um, <laughs> all right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Here we go. There's people. Hello, beautiful ladies. Hello, Kelly. Um, all right. So here we go. Today, we're going to talk about the catalyst for leaving a narcissist. And what we mean by that is what was the thing or what will be the thing that made you or will make you finally leave? What's your final straw? So, Lise, what was your final straw with your ex? Mm. This is a tricky question because there wasn't a straw. There was my choice to accept the reality plus um, it wasn't anything they did. Let's put it that way. It was my own seeing reality for what it was. There's a quote going around, you can't unsee it, but actually you kind of can sometimes where you go into that amnesia state and you cognitive dissonance and all of that. So it was like fighting through that plus um, complete gray rock and watching what happened and watching the temper tantrums and watching him spin out of control. And that was, yeah, yeah enough. So it's kind of a, a slow buildup, do you think? It was a slow buildup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yep. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> for me with my ex-husband, it was he. It was really bad. Um, <laughs> he, uh, I caught him doing something he shouldn't have been doing, and my kid was really close to him at the time physically, and that was pretty much the final straw. I'm not going to go into much more detail than that for now, um, because I'd probably get demonetized if I did. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. With that being said, um, the other thing that happened um, with my parent was I've told this story a lot of times, but um, I I had been pulling away a little bit, and it really made her angry. Um, and there was like a, a big incident where it started with I was trying to take my kids on vacation. It was the first year that we could afford to actually go somewhere else other than our own state, <laughs> and so. We were going to take them all to the beach in Florida. Well, my parent decided to, uh, with my oldest, invited only my oldest to go to California. And I was like, okay, that's fine. It's a good experience for him, you know, but did you just make it after our vacation, which is whatever day I told her it was. Well, then a few days later, she called while I was getting everyone out the door for school and work and everything. And <clears throat> she said, I need to know right now if, you know, you can go, if he can go on this, this day. And I said, well, I told you what days we were going. I can't remember right now. I'm, you know, I'm outside getting everybody out the door. Could you please wait 15 minutes? I'll call you back. She said, no, I can't wait. <laughs> so oh, I called. Cool. Yeah. And it was urgent and she had to know right now. And so I just asked my husband, I was like, well, what do you think about these tickets? He goes, sure. As long as it's outside of our dates. I said, fine. You know, after our dates for the vacation. Well, long story short, <laughs> it's too long of a story already. Uh, long story short, it was before our day. As soon as I got inside, I checked. It was before our day. So I called and I said, hey, our vacation is on this day. Could you please move yours to after as we agreed? 
and she said she she said no and she started screaming she already bought the tickets and long 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 screaming argument eventually she hung up on me then her husband called me and told me about myself in so many ways and longer story short they ended up calling cps on us as retaliation <laughs> and i'm not you can read the rest of that on the website mm-hmm. if you're interested but it was a very <laughs> horrifying betrayal and that was you know, like when you mess with my kids you know even though i was not personally strong enough at that time i didn't even know what no contact was um it definitely changed everything i literally felt what i realized that she had done it which i found out when they were sitting there after they'd gone through my whole house and all my drawers and all my stuff talk to my kids <laughs> they they decided it was a revenge call and so then they handed me this this paper that showed the whole transcript of the call and sure enough it was her so wow um, yeah and so, yeah both of these things though were about you were able to see it when your kids when they mess with your kids yeah which is not not the healthiest choice not the right answer it's okay but, it, it's for you it's how it went yeah uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah and so yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. So other than that, I think it comes down to, I think it comes down to being able to recognize that you can walk away. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it never occurred to me that I had the right to do that. And when I did it with my mother, I had no idea. And with my ex-husband, I had no idea. Like I didn't even think about no contact. I never heard of that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I just knew that in those moments I was done. No. And so that's sort of what led me to do all the research I've been doing <laughs> over the last 15 mm-hmm. years or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, um, I think everybody has a breaking point too, and a specific, like, <clears throat> don't cross this line. Yes. And nobody knows what it is until it happens. Right. Right. I think. Um, Except for, I, I want to say one thing, and that is don't wait for your breaking point. Start yes. to try, do your best to see and accept what the person is before you reach that breaking point, if you can. We, with yes. both of the scenarios, I mean, Angie, it sounds like yours was in a situation where you didn't even really have the, you didn't have half the knowledge you have now about narcissism no, or even, even a fraction. Right. Whereas hopefully what we're trying to do is give people the information so they don't have to wait as long or, or yeah. get to the point of the breaking point, right? Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's really why I started, I mean, I started blogging about it for my own self you know, because I just needed to understand. And I was a journalist by trade before. So I researched like a journalist, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I had cited my sources. I did all the things. And, and I basically took the, the emotions that I was feeling and connected them to the facts so that I could understand. Right. Well, and I published it on my personal blog because that's what I do. And, and now that personal blog is our site. That, you know, right. It became our <laughs> it's site. Big now. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting, and, but people, people related. And at that time, there was very little on the internet like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, but I think the catalyst factor, I don't think people really realize all the time to even, you know, I, I did a, a short and I did a TikTok on this. And one of the people that responded to it said their catalyst was like an argument over cigarettes at barbecue or something. Right. It can be this, it can be the most interesting little thing. And it's like, exactly camel the straw that broke the camel's back so to speak right it is enough's enough yes Uh and for some of us that's going to take what it took for me i was horribly betrayed and right whatever whatever through my children Mm -hmm. some of it's going to be like that it's going to be little thing over little thing over little thing and eventually bam there's the big thing (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. messed up stuff so yeah i think that's definitely a 
an interesting thing. Um, so tell tell me, um, have you have you seen any like really strange catalysts with clients or heard of any weird ones or um, interesting ones? <laughs> oh my gosh, blank. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> <laughs> um, often I deal I talk to people who are on the end of a discard, not so much leaving. Okay. And yeah. usually if they're coming to me, they're struggling to find the catalyst. Okay. Right. okay. That makes yeah, sense. I've seen that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Well, but I, but I think that that's so important though. Struggling to find the catalyst sometimes mean mm -hmm. lo looking inward at why it's difficult for you to let go, why it's difficult yes. for you to, or why you're accepting this sort of behavior as, and by accepting, I know you're not like, oh, please give it to me, but right. You know why it's happening. Tolerating. tolerating it to the um, some levels, and and um, finding like that's what I had to do. It wasn't so much what it became less about him and more about me. Why am I staying in this? Versus because I I did have the knowledge, and I did have like by the time I got there, I'd been in therapy long enough to know what was going on and to write a book. <laughs> Not that I wrote a book, but you know what I mean? Like it was enough information in my head that pretty much led to what I'm doing now, right? Right. It was research in action, unfortunately. But well, that's exactly what, how I kind of accidentally figured it out. But back then I had to go to the dang library. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. And, yeah. and so it took a while to figure out that it wasn't one, the one thing I thought it was that I was hanging on to wasn't that, it was something entirely different. Right. And and then it was like, oh, all I have to do is that. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and but it to me it felt huge. It is. I mean, even with my parents, although it happened in a you know a split second, um, it felt, you know, it changed everything. But we're 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 here to talk about catalyst, so let's stay on that. Okay. <laughs> all right, let's see here. Let's jump into the chat, shall we? Mm -hmm. Hello, everybody. Um, thank you to our mod squad. So far I see. Uh, Simmerine and Bonnie and Jack, of course. Hello, everybody. Uh, for those of you who, I think she already said it in the chat, uh, Huffle Mom is now Simmerine for political reasons. <laughs> and I respect that fully. Um, okay. Let's see here. Mima. Oh, here we go. Gosh, Mima. She said, my ex by two months forgot our 41st anniversary in October. Friend asked, did you tell him? I said, no way. Yeah. Oh, wait, I missed one. Hold on there. Let me go back up. Okay. Oh, I missed a whole bunch. How did this happen? Let me get back to the top. See what happened to me this time. <laughs> it happens every time. It's, been, it's the way chat is, guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Mima Dragon says, mine took $83,000 out of joint savings last Ooh. December. I mean, that can be devastating. You know, I, mine also took money out of our account and it was really close to the catalyst. And I was just this far from saying that's it. Uh, when I had the other incident. So, um, but if we didn't have $83,000, we were broke as a joke back then. So it was really like, I couldn't even pay the rent, you know? But don't, even, don't even take $10 if that's the case, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like it was bad. he took all the money he had. I mean, it was like probably several hundred dollars, but not, not probably not a thousand <laughs> at the time, you know, we were broke young, young people. Um, okay. Let's see here. Um, Mystique's hello, Mystique. Um, let's see. I just thought, there we go. Kelly says, "What when I actually realized what I was dealing with on my 55th birthday, he forgot my birthday, number one. Number two, I knew I had to break up with him. And she watched videos and she said, uh, she's breaking up with a narcissist. is like hugging a porcupine. You must do it very carefully. 
Right. Interesting. Yeah. Um, let's see here. And then, <laughs> hello, Elizabeth. She says, my catalyst to cut off my dysfunctional family that I cannot imagine having a healthy relationship or friendship with until I'm in connection with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's quite painful too. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Tammy Moore has a question for us. Um, she says, what are some reasons besides childhood trauma that people become narcissists? My ex never had anything bad happen to him or his family. Okay, let's talk about that really quick. Yeah, lots, so, of, <laughs> lots of things. <laughs> yeah. Um, being a golden child mm-hmm. of another narcissist could be, or, or of just being catered to, never being taught that empathy matters, mm-hmm. being taught that to get your way means throwing the temper tantrums and, and being indulged and being, you know, um, in a big way. Yeah. Usually someone is toxic. I think in those situations on some level when they're doing this with children, yeah. um, what other reasons could someone be, they could be born with no empathy. The part of their brain that empathy would normally fire is not firing. Right. Or they could, um, <clears throat> there's such a thing as acquired situational narcissism mm-hmm. where someone um, gets a lot of money or a lot of fame very quickly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then they become narcissists. Right. right. They're, um, they're yeah. It, yeah. what is the word um, entitled in that sense? Yeah. In a big way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, and then that, like you were talking about with the, the parents, you know, who maybe were too permissive. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's just that they were, you know, parents were working a lot. Kids were left alone a lot. They, they, felt emotionally abandoned mm-hmm. sometimes we don't recognize what's bad and what's in a person like if if a person grows up being a golden child let's say they have all these expectations and all these things but we might not recognize that you know like <laughs> i've had several clients who were heiresses to big big money and they felt completely abandoned because their parents would put them with nannies and go out in the world and do the thing you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so there are different types of trauma that we might not even recognize as trauma right right and it could be a subtle version of that yeah. right somebody said recently t- that they just read something about um narcissism at a certain age that it that that's when the brain you know that they don't have proof of it before a certain age so children and i said yeah but how do you test a practical mri empathy on a baby Right. I don't know that there's any way to know that, right? Babies don't have empathy. They don't get it until around the age of two. Right. So it's, yeah. So I think it's, I just personally, because you see a household with, like, let's just take a traumatic household Mm -hmm. and three kids and only one becomes a narcissist. Same situations happening to all three. Let's just assume that or or similar, Mm -hmm. right? And so are they born that way? Is it the way they chose their developmental personality right their attachment style might, might attachment be attachment style mm-hmm. there's right and so this is the thing let's say that mom was um depressed and so she didn't want to hold the baby and so he didn't so the baby didn't uh, get that yeah. important bonding time you know what i mean or or the baby's adopted and the baby you know didn't bond with anyone or you know they sat in the hospital for 30 days first and then all the attention they got was, you know, having their diaper changed by a nurse or maybe being held now and then, but not real parent love. You know what I mean? There's lots of different reasons that can happen outside of trauma. However, (laughs) trauma is sometimes hidden, you know, and we just don't recognize it as trauma because they were too little, but that really could affect a person for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Right. Right. I think that comes down to like 
how a particular person's personality as they grow mm -hmm. takes on experiences in life. Yeah. For one kid, a divorce could be traumatic. And for another kid, a divorce can be like, whatever, my parents don't get along. Right. And, and, or maybe like difficult, but they get through it or like there's a varying all in between. And for somebody right. that could be the, the ultimate abandonment, even when there is support offered. So. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. Yep. All right. Let's see here. And then you have, you know, you have situations like where we have situations where one of our kids, like, let's say one of our kids has a narcissist parent and, you know, because the, the data is shaky on whether it's nurture or nature. I think it's primarily nurture, mm -hmm. um, but it, there is some evidence that would say that some people are genetically See, I think um, affected. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. I think that yeah. component is big. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, then you have to go, well, okay, but, but, but you're looking at generations of abuse and trauma. So is it? <laughs> exactly. Well, that doesn't, yeah, that comes, right. that comes down to what do they call that um, generational healing? You know, yes. And this know. is what I think our larger mission is, is to break the healing or break the trauma in our own. Right. Right. Break the chain. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, break the chain. Yeah. All right. I hope that's helpful, Tammy. Let us know if you have other questions. Um, okay. Let's see here. Hey, Peggy. Um, Kelly said, okay. Kelly, Kelly said hers also moved his troubled 15 year old daughter in so the ex would wash back child support. So I'm sure that was not, you know, putting a, a troubled teen in any marriage or any marriage who, you know, who doesn't belong to, even one who does belong to both parents, but <laughs> teens are hard. Um, <laughs> I have two at home right now. So I, all right. Um, any thoughts on that, Lise? The, uh, bringing the uh, troubled child back in so the ex would wash back child support? <sighs> I can see where it would be a catalyst. It's like, yeah. enough, enough. <laughs> yeah, I can't take anymore. Absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, Simmering says, the catalyst for me was when my ex decided to give me an ultimatum. We had been engaged for over a year by then and he said I could marry him or stay with my church. Guess what I chose, good Rio. Yeah, somebody shouldn't tell you who, who you should be religiously, in my personal opinion. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Any thoughts on that one? Yeah. I mean, it's good. It's good that you weren't so groomed mm. to the point where that actually was a choice. Like yeah. you saw that that's not actually a choice. You've actually just made the decision for me. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's powerful. And I'll tell you something. I think that if the church was giving you comfort at that time, then, you know, that's important too, because if you have, if you're with someone who makes you feel miserable <laughs> anyway, it's easy to, to overlook stuff, but when it comes down to a, such a personal choice and they're telling you who you are and who you're supposed to be, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Meemaw Dragon says, I took my in-laws insulting me until the children were treated second class like me. Only hubby was real family. And he got double cash on his birthday. <laughs> so they basically intentionally minimized you and your kids and treated you like you didn't you weren't even part of the family. And that's, that's definitely a toxic family thing. What are your thoughts on that, Lise? Yeah, it's a, um, again, I can see that, uh, that is a good catalyst. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, Jack says, here's mine. My mother had a little brother that died of RH disease before he was two. Her mother saw me as a replacement son. Oh, Narc rage furthered things along, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, and then I suppose that distills down to childhood trauma for my mother, but I have stories that suggest it goes even farther than that, back than that. And I believe that. I'll tell you something. That's a really interesting 
Jack, and this is another way that I think, you know, someone could, the way his, so her, his mother was angry because his grandmother basically tried to treat him like he was his uncle. <laughs> um, that's really hard. And, and on, you know, it probably, the, the narcissist rage making things worse because I can tell you, I've had family members try to own my kids. <laughs> and uh, that's, that never worked out very well for them, <laughs> you know, um, because it, it, it used to really bother me um, a lot. And I like when my mother would tell me, this is how you do this or that or whatever. Um, and literally tried to have them taken from me, <laughs> you know, um, but, but the, at the, in this case, I was not focused on, I mean, I felt a lot of anger toward her, but I was not focused on that. I was only focused on making sure my kids were safe. You know what I mean? And it sounds like his, his mother took her, her rage against her own mother out on him. Jack, tell me if I'm right. If you get a minute. Um, okay. And that's awful. And I'm so sorry, but I think you're right. I think it does what you see here is you see his mother being traumatized by her mother and therefore traumatizing her son, you know, and then, like he said, it probably goes way further back. All the way down the line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is why we break the, break the cycle. You know, I know you guys are doing really great with your own kids. So that's, that's a symbol of that. Hello, Piper. Happy in the house, everybody. Um, <clears throat> Crystal Mountain says, breaking point will be, hey, Crystal, I got your email and I will be responding, by the way. Uh, <laughs> the breaking point will be, um, different with different people and events. I broke contact with a sibling after she lied to doctors about me and also turned me over to my ex as well. Oh my gosh. You know, that's awful. Um, that's, I think it's worse when it's a family member somehow. I mean, when, when well, I don't know if worse is the right word, but to be betrayed in a way you don't expect. Cause I always knew that my, my mother was toxic. Mm -hmm. I knew that she didn't like me very much. But I didn't know that she would do that, that she would literally try to have my, I thought if she ever had a problem with my parenting, which she often did, that she would talk to me about it. Right. <laughs> you know, she would just but she didn't. Talking about it. <laughs> right. Talking well, about it and talking about it and talking. I mean, yeah. It just, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it is. Right. They, when they go, they go, they push it the, past the point to the, like it's the point of no return. And they, right. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, right. Um, what? Okay. Uh, sorry. Um, yes. Okay. Uh, Peggy says, I didn't have the thought or guts to leave the family. Didn't even recognize it. But later I befriended another. It took a while and talking to trusted friends to break contact. Yeah. And it, I think in some ways it feels maybe harder when it's a friend in, in, in different ways because yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, you can't see it as much or you maybe you tolerate more because you like the person. You know what I mean? Like, I know that sounds weird, but there's a certain. It's hard. You're not living with them. Right. And right. They, they can be in your daily life, but you can always be like, I'll text you later. Right. It's, it's not, it's not the same as when it's in your house or in your family. It's a totally, right. yeah. Mm -hmm. But maybe when you do have to deal with them on a regular basis, it yeah. can be rough. It can be rough. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Mm -hmm. and then there's the ones that you work with too and whether those are friends oh or just people you work with girl <laughs> you know um anyway um okay it's let's like see enough betrayal is enough at a certain it really point. is mm -hmm. yeah really is and you struggle because you're you're wanting to be a fair and equitable person that understands people have bad days and make mistakes and can even make mistakes 
because of those bad days, which look intentional or whatever, and you want to be supportive as a friend, partner, mm -hmm. child, whatever. Yeah. And, and I think we get trained to do that for too long. That's very valid. That's a really important point. So that's we, when we are raised by toxic people, or even if just we had certain traumas, we are taught that love means service or love means mm -hmm. you know, doing what I say. Love means, you know, in order to love, be loved, you must serve. Well, that's what I was taught. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's not really, <laughs> like your parents are supposed to love you because they, they have you. I mean, <laughs> when you're a child, you know, <laughs> just because you're there, I think just because they're your, you're their child. And I always find that to be very strange that so many of us had parents who weren't capable of that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what a lot of it comes down to is, is, I mean, we all know, we don't have to go into all that, but, but it's the, the, what they went through. And in fact, can I talk about this for a minute yep. <laughs> real quick. Okay. Um, so, so there are parents who, okay, sorry. I just realized I were 2 PM. Ah, that's fine. Um, <laughs> there are parents who have this, um, <clears throat> they have their children too early or, or they had, you know, their own trauma or, or they, whatever. And they think they're doing the right thing. They're like, you know, like my mom thought that because I, she always fed us and always gave us you know, whatever medical care we needed and, and whatever, and we had a nice place to live and we had nice clothing and things like that. We were clean, you know, that, that she was doing better than her parents because her parent was only 15 when she was born. Right. And, and that really was better, mm -hmm. but she didn't delete the, <laughs> she added some extra stuff that didn't happen to her directly. And then she continued some of that stuff. So she like, continued with the quote unquote physical punishments or, you know, whatever. And, and sometimes those were a little bit out, out of control. Um, but it was really the emotional stuff. I think that really, anyway, stop talking. Okay. <laughs> um, any other thoughts on, on that before we go to the next? No. Okay. Um, let's see here. So Jack asks Mima if, if his, her husband was the golden child of the family, <clears throat> excuse me, the golden child of the family. Um, Jack says he was a golden child. This is exactly what I thought. He was the golden child to the grandmother, but a scapegoat for his mother. I was also the scapegoat, the black sheep um, of the family. Um, and that's okay. <laughs> I've learned since then that that's probably a good thing. Um, <laughs> Being a scapegoat, oh yeah. Yeah, you know, because you're the one that tells the truth and they don't like that. <laughs> right. You know. There's a great little book called Scapegoat by, it's, it's Carl Jung. And it's, it's a little tiny short book and it saved me years ago. Oh, Somebody's like, read this. And I'm like, you want me to read young? Okay. So <laughs> why not? <laughs> it really helped. It helped me put it in perspective, the scapegoat, like how you can see how it's actually giving you the resilience and the, um, it's, it actually keeps you out of the mix because the golden child is the, is the most pressure. Yes. There's a lot of pressure to maintain because it's, it's, we've got to remember every role that you're in with a toxic person is survival. Mm -hmm. And when you have to survive by being perfect yeah, and, and the spitting image of doing the things that the narcissist wants, you're always in the spotlight. Yeah, that's right. Not that's that right. it's, not that it's easy being a scapegoat. Not the thing is you don't want to be around them ever, but after the fact, what sticks, that's right. it's, it's a hard one for, yeah. It's really true. Yep. Okay. Let's see here. 
Um, Mima says, I think it takes more than one catalyst. I think it takes more than one catalyst. Reading my hubby, my hubby's medical records after an ER visit where he blamed me for physically hurting him after he hurt me that very day. Oh my gosh. Classic, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I'm so sorry, but good for you for seeing it. And look, it does often take more than one catalyst. Yeah. You have to, what I was trying to say, and I got distracted from saying was our parents, they, they, they conditioned a lot of us, not all of us, but those of us who did have toxic parents, we were conditioned to accept crap, <laughs> to accept crumbs, to accept less than we deserve. And to think that we were not important enough to be treated with basic dignity and respect. Mm-hmm. And that's why we get stuck. They conditioned us for those people. Uh, right. And, we're, and, and that as a human being, as we are, we're not valid. Mm-hmm. I think exactly. I think it does take more than, I think the catalyst is often just, how did somebody said this recently to me? They said, oh my gosh, this is all too much. It's like, I'm just now seeing the truth of everything I've lived for the past 20 years. And I could hear in their voice that this was scary. This was like, I said, yeah, you've opened the door and down that hall that you see, there's just a thousand doors. And every time you walk past them, eight or 10 of them open. And they're just like, you can't, you can't stop seeing the effects. And that becomes the catalyst. Sometimes it's, it's like the culmination of a lot of things. That's right. Um, let's see here. And that's, that's my, but it, it's okay. It's okay. It doesn't always matter what the catalyst is. No, it, it doesn't. It's just interesting to hear them. So yeah. that people can, people yeah. can start to think for themselves about what is my life and what's going on in it. And where's my breaking point? And do I need to get there? Or is this? Right. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. How, how long will you spend being abused before you, you know what I mean? That's what right. it comes down to. If I had known then what I know now, I probably wouldn't have tolerated the stuff I tolerated as, exactly. as long at least. <laughs> right. Um, oh, and then there's, a, you know, this is kind of, this is kind of an anti-catalyst that I had, and maybe a lot of you have experienced, but like with my two, I'll tell you both, with my parents, it was a matter of, I was taught, uh, taught <laughs> excuse me, taught early that, um, you know, if, if you don't have your family, you know, you, you might be dead in addition, nobody will care. That sounds stupid, but that's what I was told all the time. I believed that. Um, I believed what happened, you know, what if this happened to that? I was, it was fear that's kept me stuck. Uh, with my ex-husband, it was partially fear, but it was mostly um, that I married him. And I thought to myself, I don't want to be one of those people who gets divorced three times or whatever. You know what I mean? Or two times or Uh ever. You know, I thought when I got married, I was going to be married until I was dead. Just Uh turns out I will, but not to that person. (laughs) So it's good good stuff. You know what I mean? I get you. You know, I get you. And I, I think that's kind of what I was saying earlier when I was saying it, I had to start looking at myself for the catalyst instead of externally, what are they doing? They've right. done enough. Honestly, you guys, if you're dealing with a narcissist, they've already done enough. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's in ourself. I had to realize that I was afraid. Okay. So what, right. Mm-hmm. Afraid of what I'm afraid of abandonment. I'm afraid like the stuff you're saying, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm afraid that I won't, that I won't They'll be alone forever. That like the things that people say, and then I realize wait, it's none of that. It's none of that. I'm afraid of change. Hate it. Change. Oh, me too. Huh. Don't like it. I hate change. Right. I hate change. I don't like it. And and that was it. And then I'm like, oh come on, <laughs> life is change, girl. Go. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Totally. But it took a while. It took yeah. It took multiple catalysts. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like okay. 
And so like with, um, I think this is, I think this is important to identify the reasons you're staying. And I bet you all of us could on some level say trauma bonding had something to do with it (laughs) as well as our previous conditioning. But also, you know, I really think it's fear on some of something Mm -hmm. like for me. And, And so like with my mother, it was fear of what if I lose everything and I have nowhere to go? What if I become homeless and I'm no, am I really going to die in a ditch? You know? Um, and, and <laughs> that was her favorite thing to tell me. Um, and then with my ex, again, it was just, I had made this rule for myself and I'm usually very good at following rules for myself. Um, and so it was sort of a, like a personal failure in my head that if I left, I would have failed and I probably would right. be alone forever. And mm-hmm. then I had a, a kid and, uh. <laughs> right. but sometimes you just, and that's why, that's why, I mean, I'm honest about it for me in both cases, it was my kids. Right. And, and I feel kind of embarrassed about that, no. which it was, you know, <laughs> I think we all, sometimes we need an external, um, marker yes. Yes. because well, you're actually saving the little girl in you when you're saving your kid. That's right. That's there, right. You do that one. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. But you're, I didn't know it at the time, but you're absolutely right. 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 Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And I think a lot of us are, a lot of us who have been through this, any, any type of trauma in childhood become almost a little overprotective of, of our, our kids. kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know I'm very protective of like, <laughs> I don't want anybody to hurt my kids' feelings. I mean, I know what happens and I'm not trying to be like, you know, but secretly when it happens, I want to go beat somebody up. Okay. <laughs> but I don't, <laughs> but, but I feel protective of their feelings and their thoughts and I want them to feel able to express themselves. And right. Do <laughs> Boy, do they. <laughs> How could they just temper it a little? <laughs> Can we find them? They're, no, they're, they're, really <laughs> they're really good kids, but I do, a little you know yeah it's fun no, okay. I was gonna say something to wait what you said uh-huh. <sighs> fear 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 story of fear so yeah. somebody told me that they they were f- terrified terrified of three things and it was getting sick and dying alone in their house apartment mm-hmm. no one would find them that whole thing um breaking down on the freeway and having yes. no one to call because she was, didn't know how to, she's like, I could learn to change a tire, but I have physical pain and it would be very difficult for me. And on the freeway. And it just like, it was always the freeway. It's just like, but I'm not going to yeah. avoid the freeway. Blah, blah. Right. Anyway, and then the third one was the third one. Oh my God. I forgot the third one. So we'll just do two. <laughs> so within a month of finally just leaving this psychopath, she got really, really sick and was alone <sighs> in her apartment and alone in her house, really, really sick. And then knock, knock, knock. A friend comes over for no reason. And she's (sighs) on the floor crying fever. And her friend's like, oh, honey, sticks her in the shower, like helps her out, makes her dinner and then leaves and was like, and so she's like, it was answered. It happened. Somebody took care of me. And then she's driving on the freeway. I'm not kidding you. A few weeks later, boom, car breaks down. (laughs) (sighs) She pulls over and she's panicking. Oh my gosh, my worst fears are coming true. Mm-hmm. And somebody pulls over to help her. They call a tow truck and it was all just, she's like, it was seamless. It all just took care of itself. Not that everyone's going to have that kind of lucky flow of things, but I think sometimes what I'm saying is our fears are bigger mm. than they need to be. Oh yeah. I can tell you a similar, a real quick, similar story. I have a client right now who, you know, she's my age. We were born the same month. Anyway. And, and she, um, and she was afraid that, you know, because actually her person left her um, and she was just horrified. She thought we were going to be married forever, whatever, whatever. And then she ended up um, meeting this amazing, amazing guy, you guys. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. It's almost like a fairy tale. It's just, 
it's crazy. But I think, you know, I think the point of these stories is not to tell you that everything's going to be perfect because stuff does suck sometimes, but just to, right. Yeah. But just to say like, you know, you, you can and should look forward to some good things without, you know, it it might be hard in the first few months or even the first year, but it, it, there's also this other side of it. Like you realize you can pick the color for the walls or you can buy the curtains you want. You know, right. you I think can, yeah, when I told her, when I said something back to this person, like, well, that just worked out fine for you, but not for everyone, you know, like right. and it's pragmatic, right? Well, that's great for you, but not everyone's that lucky. She said, yeah, but I knew in that moment that I would have been okay. Had that not, had that person not come to help had this, I knew that I would, I had it in me because I had my phone out ready to call for a tow. I had, I got out of my car and went where I was safe off. The, I, I took care of myself and then and then when she was sick she goes I would have been fine emotionally so it's it's sort of like yes okay that's really great that those things happen but also Mm -hmm. and then she said the next time she got sick she wasn't scared she just took care of herself and then you know Mm -hmm. so it's it's these fears that we have that cannot hold us we can't stay bound to fear that's right can't stay in something that's hurting you and is Mm -hmm. toxic for you and is you know, abusive to you because you're afraid of the unknown. Yep. Um, Kelly Starlight says, you're right. When he yelled at my son and tried to start a fight, that was it. Our children, we protect our children more than we protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's right. That a, lot. a lot of us do. Yeah. And I think that, I think Lisa's right when, you know, you were right when you said um, that, you know, you're sort of protecting your inner child in that moment by protecting your own children. And I think that's really true. For, for those of us who react that way. I mean, how many of us have the mama or papa bear thing? <laughs> like, I'm the sweetest person you ever want to meet until you mess up the children, then I have no mercy, okay? The only reason I haven't hurt certain people in my life for what they did to my children is that I don't really think I want to go to prison. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm not saying- you have self-restraint. It's right, yeah. right, right. I mean, and yeah, I can't even, yeah. so- yeah, but I think that's absolutely true. And I wish I wish I could say, you know, I want to be able to say, look, I left for the right reason. I left because this person was terrible. And but I, I I tolerated it because of childhood. Well, you didn't have you that you didn't have you now. That's right. Standing up. That's right. You. you had you back then, who was yes. not didn't have all this wisdom, knowledge, and and healing in under. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And this is again part of why we do what we do because we want to maybe to help you, you know, save some time. <laughs> Right. or some exactly. you know <laughs> don't reinvent the wheel that's the- exactly that's it that's mm-hmm. it um, let's see here uh okay so we have uh, more than one okay uh jack agrees more than one catalyst or narcissist injury um with new dragon's point yeah look i i don't i certainly don't say i'm when i'm saying what my breaking point was i'm not saying that there weren't a lot of other reasons i should have gone yeah. <laughs> you know that was just for me the yeah the moment mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. um adrian says my narcissist aunt came back it's the worst it's the worst she's worse now also the situation was crazy wait yeah also the situation was crazy the supply watched my every move and got in front of me then just stared at all and my aunt will just stare nonstop. yeah adrian it sounds like that's a very toxic situation <laughs> um it's so, so she came back and now it's made it worse because her partner 
um, apparently is obsessed with you <laughs> as well as she is. I, I, I need to know more about that to tell you the right answer, but any thoughts, please? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not following it a hundred percent. It's yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to hurry up and time what you want. Missing from, it's hard to translate from chat to, to my ear and then. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. yeah. All right. Um, let's see here. Um, Simmerine says, yeah, that's needs for explanation, political reasons. The long and short of it is I'm sticking to my boundaries. And that's the right thing to do for both yourself and your kids. Um, and I agree with your choice. Um, okay. Because um, as she mentioned earlier in the chat, their oldest child is trans. And uh, the reason she changed her name is because J.K. Rowling, I guess, Huffle is one of those Harry Potter things. <laughs> Sorry for my ignorance. Um, and she changed her name because J.K. Rowling has come out against trans people, of I believe. So uh, therefore, you're not, she, she prefers not to, to do that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tamar says... We had a joint account until I needed a break. And then he emptied the joint account and left enough to live on monthly only uh, because control. That's financial abuse right there. Um, yep. It's interesting. Um, what I'm hearing a lot of is survival. Yeah. When it threatens survival. Mm -hmm. When it threatens your kid's survival. When it threatens your financial survival. Your, yeah, I'm hearing mm -hmm. that. That's the theme I'm hearing. For sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of times we also get left, right? And so when people get left, then they have a whole other thing to figure out, right? Like this, talking about my client earlier, you know, she didn't think, and by the way, she's gorgeous, um, but she didn't find herself attractive or worthy. And like, she's like, everybody wants to look like her gorgeous. You know what I mean? So like, I, it was so surprising to me to hear this gorgeous woman. And I, I can't tell you how many gorgeous people I've heard say exactly that, but yeah, because they did, they destroy you as a human, your, your self-esteem and your, if you ever had right. any. You're either used <laughs> because you're gorgeous and then you don't understand that gorgeous is all the way through. Right. Right. And it, it probably is in a lot of in these in people that you're talking to. That's right. Um, That's right. And, and so you think this superficial, like I've heard, I've had very beautiful clients um, say, yeah, but so what? Right. Use me for this. They either love me or hate me for it. Mm -hmm. I can't help it. It's right. like my face, whatever, you know, right. But, right. <laughs> and that yeah. people will either love them or hate them because of their looks. And mm -hmm. uh, I realize people go, Oh, poor you, you're so pretty. <laughs> but, but really when they, yeah. when they've been in the same situations with narcissists, um, they yeah. are objects. That's right. And I'll tell you something. I've never been that pretty where somebody hated me for being so pretty. <laughs> But, but there, no, either, but. you know, but there was a time in my life when I, I was cuter than this and I did see people treating me that way. Mm -hmm. um, and probably not to that same extent, of course, no, but, you know, yeah. yeah, but I definitely was. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, Rebel Shell says, here's my question. If you have one sister that you talk to, but you don't talk to the rest, what do you do as this sister won't stand up or tell me about the knives being thrown? Look, you should probably say thank you to that sister um, if, she, if, she, if you're talking to her and she's not spilling the poison into your life. And I'm not trying to be a jerk when I say that, but the truth is that knowing those things, it only makes it like, hey, I'll tell you what I'm saying. <laughs> In my own situation, a, a cousin kept reaching out to me and telling me all the things that were being said about me in the family after I disengaged from my parent. And I eventually had to stop talking to her because she was triggering me. <laughs> and it was impeding my healing. Mm -hmm. 
Because the truth is, it doesn't matter what they're saying about you. It doesn't matter if the knives being thrown, unless it's going to affect you now personally, like in right. your in your life. You know, otherwise you don't need to know that stuff. Like what other people think of us is none of our damn business. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know that's a quote, but on some level, that's true. If those people are no longer in your life and cannot directly affect you, like take away your money or hurt your kids or whatever. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, it um, sounds like maybe, hopefully in the best case scenario, she's trying to have a relationship with you personally and one, right. that, one that isn't entangling all the toxic stuff from right. both of your familial line, right? right. And right. so, yeah, I would, I would take that as a, as a, a positive. Right. But if it is- Oh, I'd be careful <laughs> because- Right. What is she saying the other direction? It's so tricky, right? Yeah, it's tricky because on the flip side of that, you know, like I, I, that same cousin told me uh, what the first thing she said to me and all of that was um, they're sending someone to your house. They're sending your brother to your house to try to talk some sense into you. So I was able to yeah. cut that off. You know what I mean? Exactly. And hopefully yeah. she would. And, and, you know, that may be a conversation. Hey, I appreciate you not bringing them into it, but if there is ever anything I need to protect myself from, I'm fine hearing that, you know, like, yeah. and that may be enough. Mm-hmm. Yep. 100%. Uh, okay, let's see here. And then we have um, Jack says to you, I guess I was lucky, even if I was grandma's, the narcissist grandma's golden child, it was my mother's scapegoat, but oh, my three younger sisters resented the first role. Oh, yeah. That's another thing that's really difficult mm-hmm. is when you ha- have a golden child. Do you know toxic parents and grandparents <laughs> have a tendency to want to pit their children against oh. one another? Uh-huh. Uh, because that way nobody's going to gang up together and go against the parent, mm-hmm. you know, and, and my mother, in my case, did that with my brother, who I was close to, I thought, until that moment um, and, and twisted it around and put him on her side by telling a lot of lies about me. And mm-hmm. I've never forgiven him. <laughs> I mean, I forgave him, but I'm not going to be in his life anymore. So, you know, it is what it is. I tried. <laughs> Saying his sisters um, resented his role as the golden child with grandma. Yes. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Um, just, um, trying to think of, my mother has told me she was the golden child. My grandpa was a malignant narcissist. And she's told me that it was really difficult because she's not a narcissist, right? She, Mm -hmm. uh, got a lot of empathy and it affected her in a way where it made her shut her empathy back inside herself. Because if she showed empathy to the scapegoat, then he got in more trouble. Mm yeah yeah and at the same time she had to live her whole life with him resenting her i and and not he's not wasn't narcissistic either it was just that the way that yeah it's being in that and and, you know she got help for herself he didn't (laughs) so right he understood what was going on he just kept it to himself his whole life sadly right please yeah write this down (laughs) okay Uh, let's talk about generational trauma next week okay okay Good. Cause there's a lot to unpack there. Sorry. I didn't mean to be like, no, I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can I get again? okay. All right. Um, okay. I'm supposed to be on a call one minute ago. So I'm going to read this one more comment from Crystal and then we're going to get ready to wrap up. Um, because I think Crystal's comment is valid and important. Yes. She says, um, they could be lying about their past as well. My ex believes his mother is the greatest mom, but she's actually a psycho <laughs> or she said psych <laughs> psychotic face and also abandoned the kids several times. And that's, Another valid point. Sometimes we, we believe the stories we're told and narcissists believe the same thing about our childhood. 
I, I've had several clients who thought they had a perfect childhood until they realized they were in a relationship with a narcissist. And then they looked back at their childhood and they went, oh crap. Yep, all, <laughs> you know? the time, all the time. And yeah. that's not to say that it's not made up. It's real. Right. Like it right. is, no one's coaching that. It just yeah. comes out. No one's, no one's steering anybody in any direction. It's like, wait a minute. Is this exactly. normal for a parent? So how do how do we know that isn't happening to the narcissist too? Of course, that's right. They're still victims of their narcissistic parent. That's right. Or even sometimes our parents aren't narcissistic, but they're just unavailable. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It happened to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They may right. not recognize it because it's normalized to them. Right. And like I said, when you look at in even my own situation, you know, my parents thought they were doing better because there was always food in the house. We had vitamins. We had medicine. We had clothing that was new and not, you know what I mean? We were clean, but she was raised by a person who loved her, but also had a, she was a child and she had most of her kids. So, you know, yeah. Um, okay. All right. We're going to get ready to wrap up for right now. Um, for uh, watch, watch the chat for Simmering to share the reminders and everything. Um, and we will see you guys uh, next week at the same approximate time. <laughs> and, and, uh, and soon we'll also be doing a second stream over on Lisa's channel for the next, I think in with maybe starting next week. So okay. if we can do that. And then we'll uh, see you over there on, on Fridays as well. All right. <laughs> Lisa, as always, thank you so much. Thank and you. I will, all right. We'll see all of you guys soon ish. Bye.